Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. Your coaching is, okay, is there something correctable? Is there any education that this person needs or resources? Or do we pair them up with the educator? Do we come up with something that is individualized for this person? Or are other people doing it? It could be practice that other people are doing and they taught somebody that was new how to do it. So we look at the the whole entire spectrum as to what is going on. But no, it is leaders are not sitting behind the desk right now trying to get rid of people. We are trying to get nurses in. We are pulling parts of the team to come in and to interview. So people that are the interviewees are actually hearing from the people that are at the bedside. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer here at Nurse.org. I enjoy talking to you all about things that are happening in healthcare and medicine and things that we need to know in order to educate our patients and things like that. But sometimes I like to bring it back to us, right? In our profession. I know that there are a lot of nurses and doctors, you doing a good job. You doing a good job. And you know, we really intend to do a good job when we go to work. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about some of the unforeseen things that can happen to us while we are at work. Many of these things unintentional, but some of y'all, you know who you are. Sometimes you like to do things your own way, and that's just not going to get it when we're supposed to be working as a team. And sometimes some of our habits and our behaviors or our mouths can land us in hot water. And when we're in hot water, especially at work, that gets identified and that can lead to some form of corrective action. Now, it's never fun at all talking about corrective action, but I wanted to raise awareness to this because I think it's important to talk about it before you're in in it. So today I have a very special guest, actually a very dear friend of mine. I've known her for a long time, a colleague. Uh, her name is Vernell Davis. She's been a nurse for over 17 years. 15 years of that's been leadership. She's always been a bright cookie. She like climbed to the top like really, really fast. She's a perioperative nurse. So anything perioperative, she knows it. She's also a clinical nurse specialist. So she's taught it in the school, in academics, in the academia, as a faculty at nursing schools, all the way to the hospital settings. And mind you, she has a very colorful career, so she's very well-rounded. And I was joking with her saying, you know, I was asking her, I was like, didn't you start as a scrub tech? She says, no, I actually started as a housekeeper. So this is pure testimony about how you can climb the clinical career ladder. So, but she's in leadership as, you know, as a CNS, she's been a charge nurse, assistant manager, a manager, even a director. And she's currently at a well-respected hospital here in the United States. And we're just going to leave it at that. Please welcome to the show, my dear friend, Vernell Davis. Hi. I'm sorry. I thought there was going to be like the cheering and the fans. 
Yes, we'll have, we'll have some clapping. We'll work that in in the edits. But thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you're very busy. Can you tell us real briefly, maybe things that I've not mentioned about some of your career and how you got to, as you said, housekeeping to, you know, such a very high position in leadership where now you are, you know, really working and directing and managing several doctors, nurses, techs, units, and like managing like multi-million dollar budgets? Yeah. I like to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the, all those things. I started off as a housekeeper uh, when I was young. I was 19 years old. And then I knew I wanted to be a nurse and I worked towards that. also knew I wanted to be in surgery. Uh, so I had to take the steps necessary to be a surgical tech and a sister in surgery. And I found that to be very, very fun. And enjoyed that for a while and took one class at a time until I completed everything to become a nurse. And I believe you and I went to the same undergrad and the same grad. And so I followed a lot of your steps, followed a lot of your steps. You've been a lifetime uh, mentor for me. And I knew I wanted to get into leadership. And here I am. Here she is. And look, she's the boss boss of where she works. So thank you for sharing that. I hope that inspires some people who are listening like, man. I'm never going to begin to become a nurse. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. With some consistency and persistence, you can do it. Now, Renell, in your current position, you actually do a lot of hiring, right? Hiring of managers, directors. You sit in on, you know, interviews for doctors coming into your facility. And so you're very involved in the hiring process, which, you know, we all like to be a part of the hiring process because we want the job. But I want to flip the script a little bit and talk about the firing process. Now, I know it's no fun thing. When you're in a situation, you're having to address behaviors, practices, or instances in which someone perhaps deviated from the process, the policy. But let me just ask, because many of the people who are listening are staff nurses, and they sometimes think like, oh, it's so easy for the manager, the director, the charge nurse, or whoever to, to kind of, quote unquote, just write them up. But it's not. I mean, it's, it's probably a very hard and gut-wrenching process for you as well. So can you just give us some insight on what is it like being on that other side of the table, having to have conversations with staff when potentially writing, having to write them up? It's very tough. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to do because we know that we are going to be dealing with a lot of emotion. But one thing as a leader is we look at the whole entire picture and we want to know if there's some type of a knowledge deficit. Is there anything that is correctable before you even touch the corrective action process? Because the goal is to retain uh, nurses. It is not to fire them because they are very valuable. So what is important is that we're looking at all aspects of it. Is there any type of way that we can educate or get any type of resource in for that individual person? So that's the first step. And then the second step is we will look at, okay, is this a behavioral? Is this something that this person has done before? Is it habit? Did this person get enough orientation? It could be a new person. It could be a seasoned person. Hey, was there something that we newly implemented? And did we touch this group? Uh, did this group get enough information? Do we need to mirror exactly what it is that we want in this new process? So we look at a bunch of things before going to corrective action because that is the fair thing to do. And it shows that we do value you. However, here's this new process. 
or these new changes that have come down that we need to do because there's some evidence-based practice behind that. And what healthcare is always trying to do is follow the most current evidence-based practice and implement that into caring for patients. So sometimes it's really tough for people to move away from this is the way we've always done it to this is the way we need to do it now. Yes, I've heard that a lot. Well, this is the way we've always done it. And so that was a great explanation. And I'll sometimes add on there, sometimes there'll be, like, as you mentioned, a change in a process or a practice or a policy. And sometimes it's something that nursing didn't even know was happening. Perhaps there was a change in someone else's workflow, but it had some trickle down effect with how we do things. Maybe pharmacy changed their timing or where they're putting medications in the drawer box without, you know, sharing with us like, hey, we're changing this. So it's really important that we all work as a team, nursing, with pharmacy, with physicians, with, you know, everyone else, because what one part of the team does will affect what the other team does too. So there's just a lot of things to look at factors. And I'm, and I'm also chiming in guys, because as a CNS, I got, I actually had the opportunity to sit side by side with either the director or the manager or assistant nurse manager with nurses. Again, we don't, we, we want to resolve this and look for like, you know, what else could have happened that could have caused you difficulty, which led into some type of behavior or error here. And let's try to fix it. Let's try to fix it. So everyone's safe and you're doing the right thing because believe me, no one really wants to be involved in this, in, in this process to, we're not trying to take anyone down. So for those of you who are listening who feel like, oh, they're out to get me. No, they're not out to get you. They're not. And oh my gosh, what do we do now? Who can we get rid of now? No, absolutely not. It is we value each and every nurse that we have. They're at the bedside, they're caring for patients, and they're taking care of the community. And we need our community taken care of because that impacts everything else. So that is what is important. And that's the message as a leader that a leader should have and be driving home, especially when they meet with people during uh, whether it's a coaching is usually your first step. Your coaching is, okay, is there something correctable? Is there any education that this person needs or resources? Or do we pair them up with the educator? Do we come up with something that is individualized for this person or are other people doing it? It could be practice that other people are doing and they taught somebody that was new how to do it. So we look at the the whole entire spectrum as to what is going on. But no, it is leaders are not sitting behind the desk right now trying to get rid of people. We are trying to get nurses in. We are pulling parts of the team to come in and to interview. So people that are the interviewees are actually hearing from the people that are at the bedside as to what do they think about where they currently work. A lot of people that interview do ask those questions. And as a leader, sometimes I step out. I want them to be honest. And let me tell you, they will tell you, hey, we've had a lot of changes, especially during COVID. And it's been tough, but this team has pulled together to make whatever happened that needed to happen with the multiple changes. Uh, We did it together. And it wasn't easy. So during COVID, there were a lot of changes, a lot of policy changes, a lot of procedural changes, a lot of protocol changes. There were multiple, multiple change. And you know what? They were so flexible, very flexible. Now, Vernell, I wanted to to jump into three of the, you know, in your position, obviously you see this even throughout your whole career. You've seen this. I've seen this. I wanted to raise awareness to those who might be listening, who've not found themselves in these situations, knock on some wood. Um, and those who maybe are newly entering the profession who want to be on alert of these things, what are three of the most common causes nurses get written up? So I think that's worth 
mentioning now, this may differ based on your facility, your specialty and all these things, but, you know, just as a nurse leader, having been in the game for quite some time, we kind of, we start to see some themes. The first one uh, I wanted to get into with you was lateness and attendance. Can you tell us a little bit about some common themes that you have seen when these issues have come up with staff? So some common things that you would see with uh, lifetime and attendance being late uh, to work, those specific, sometimes those situations can be very specific to that person. So what we do as leaders is we try to ask the individual, what can we do to help you? That's the first step is what can we do to help you? Especially now during COVID, we've had schools closed down. We've had daycares closed down. After school programs closed, before school programs closed, we've got single parents. Uh, We have just all different types of backgrounds. And so what are the challenges that you're having getting to work? I mean, some people catch the bus to work. And so when COVID came, there was a major impact with getting bus drivers, not just with the schools, but also with public transportation. And so it was like, how can we work with you? Do we adjust your schedule and maybe give you 30 minutes more or, you know, change you to a whole different shift? Will that work for you? And so time and attendance, I can say during COVID was a really big thing. And as a leader, we have to become extremely flexible to that. However, pre-COVID, <laughs> pre-COVID, time and attendance was a little different. So if you're expected to be at work at seven, it wasn't that you were walking through the door, you know, which Starbucks and coming in at seven o'clock. It was, I need to be at report, at huddle, listening to the information that was coming down and information that I needed to give. If I'm a bedside nurse, huddle is the most important part of your day because you're getting information, you're getting the latest and greatest. And then you're also sharing information with your leaders who need to escalate that. So being on time is important. So you get that information and you're also able to share things because the worst possible situation a person can be in is, well, I never knew about these changes. And yet you had a leader, well, we spoke about it at huddle, you know, so it causes a problem with the time and attendance. And then also it can impact the care that you're providing to the patient, whether it's a delayed treatment, uh, which we don't want to delay treatments for patients at all, at all. Let me tell you, no one wants to be in the hospital any longer than what they have to be. And we want the patients to get the treatment on time. uh, And also that's their rights. So we don't want to violate patient rights. Well said, and I'm glad you brought that example because there's lots of memes on social media about the nurse strolling in at 7.04 with their Starbucks, her purse is still in their hand, lunch bag here. And the night nurse, I'll just use as an example, is like ready, is like ready. Like I'm ready to give report. I'm ready, you know, to start this handoff process. I'm not picking on any shift guys, but the day nurse is like, oh, hold on, I got to do this. So if you're supposed to start your shift at seven, listen, y'all, seven, that means that you've arrived, you put all your things away in your locker, you've, you've sipped on your morning coffee, your piece of paper, your brain, whatever you got going on, you've got your wow or your cow, whatever you call it, ready to go. And you're ready to give report or get report, give report or and or listen to huddle. Okay. So let me ask this. Some things we just can't control. Like we can't control if there's an accident on the highway. We couldn't predict COVID. We couldn't predict our kid's school was going to close. And those are outliers. Those are things that might happen here, might happen there. Generally, with some communication to your leadership, giving them a call, giving them a text, letting them know what's going on, usually is not an issue. Now, I'm going to go ahead and lean in, guys, because, you know, we're family. We can do this. There's always somebody. There's always that one in the family. There's always that one nurse 
who's always, always strolling in late with the Starbucks, 704, 707, 715. So is that the person that is more inclined to, you know, experience the corrective action? Absolutely. Yes. So that person is more than likely to experience the first step, which would be a a coaching. Sit down and talk to that person. And the one thing you want to provide somebody with is uh, here's your time so then they can see it. So then they're aware. Some people get into the into the natural minutia of let me just clock in, you know, or uh, swipe or let me dial in, whatever it is that they're doing. And they're not really paying attention to the time. And so what we do is we print it out and we show it to them. And uh, there is a amount that you can have for a coaching. And maybe, hey, at four or five, hey, you know, we need to have a talk or some. It all depends on uh, where you work. It may be at two or three. Hey, we need to talk about your clocking in time as to what's going on. But if this is a nurse commonly on a day-to-day that is late, then it is time to sit down and have that cup of coffee with that person and show them their time and talk to them about expectations and give them the attendance policy so they can see it and they have something to refer to. So then it's just not coming out of your mouth. It's, hey, you know, here's the policy and here's what it says and I'm following it and you're supposed to follow it too. And let's talk about how we can make this better because a lot of people have the answers to how they can make it better. It may be, hey, instead of stopping at Starbucks on the way coming in, why don't you come in a huddle and during your break, go to Starbucks or come in a little earlier without clocking in earlier, because that's an occurrence too, is go to the Starbucks, you know, that coffee cart that they may have on campus, go there and then uh, come in or use one of our nice little fancy coffee makers. There you go. You might buy Starbucks the night before and just warm it up in your microwave. That just might have to be what the deal is. That's a Starbucks violation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now let me say this. We've we've been talking about um, timeliness, but this also will relate to attendance too. calling in sick, calling in for various reasons. I know different facilities have different policies. If you're going to expect to be out for a period of time, it's good to have that conversation with you, right? Yes. You always want to let your leader know because your leader is going to be planning for the team. So it's not that, oh, we want to be in your business. No, it's, it's not that. It's how do we continue taking care of the community during your time away? And we wish that you get better because you're valuable. We need you. And there is a change when a nurse calls out. And let me tell you, that one nurse who brought the glitter and the magic to the department and that person is out, like everybody feels that, that that person is not there. I mean, so each individual person brings some. I mean, you may have a not so happy nurse that's grumpy, but that person has all the information that everybody needs and that's the go-to person, you know, and when that person is not there, it does impact everything. But I can say during COVID, look, I keep going back to COVID. During this pandemic, things have been a little different. And that's just because the numbers go kind of up and down with COVID. It's, it's a roller coaster. And so you're going to get those call outs that may or may not be COVID related. Right. And it's hard working short staff. We all know what that's like. So in any event, if you anticipate that you might even need to call out, in all fairness, it's probably better to call the unit say like, hey, my son's really sick right now. I just wanted to give a heads up that I may end up having to call out if he doesn't get better in the afternoon. But at least it gives staffing the opportunity to start revving up, ramping up, looking for some backup just in case. And so when you do call out, 
it wasn't something that was unexpected. I think that is more appreciated than the late call of an hour before you're supposed to be there because where are we going to find a nurse in an hour? Look at where are we going to find a nurse in 24 hours? But yeah, no, you're absolutely, oh, there you go. You're absolutely right. Is that courtesy? And sometimes things happen. People sometimes think that, you know what, I can feel better. I'm going to treat it and I'm going to take these medications and I guarantee you I'm going to feel so good in the morning. And let me tell you, sometimes those, even those last minute, if you're like, hey, you know what, I got dressed and I was on my way to the car and I thought I should call. Let me tell you, call ahead of time is my recommendation. If, hey, I knew I wasn't feeling good, even though I'm treating it, if I feel better, then it's better to call to say, you know what, I'm feeling a little better, I'm gonna come in. Right, and guys, we're talking about this because these are, not doing these things could very well land you in a position where you're getting some type of verbal warning, written warning. So, you know, we wanted to raise these examples and provide you some suggestions of things you can do. So in the event you find yourself having to talk to your leadership team about this, at least it has, and to, to your defense to, you know, prevent, again, the goal is not to write you up, but, you know, I think it will dissipate any potential for you to get written up because it's shown that you are a caring team member and you are keeping the communication lines open. So, you know, that effort really goes a long way when it comes to versus the nurse who doesn't communicate at all, always calls in last minute, is always late and seems to be very nonchalant when the issues are raised. Okay. So that's one. So attendance and timeliness is, it, oh, and one thing I just also wanted to add, because I've seen this a lot, and Vernell, you can attest to this too. We talked about being on time at seven does not mean strolling through the door. I know sometimes we find ourselves in a pinch and sometimes you are really trying your best, but you know, when it rains, it, it pours and you find yourself still like being late, even though you're trying your best, you know, communicate those things to your team member that you're trying, that you've been met with some resistance, but please don't be the team member that falsifies your time card because that I think in so many places is grounds for instant termination. So don't be that nurse. We are the most trusted profession. Do not compromise your integrity. I think more people would appreciate your honesty, you know, have more respect for that than they find out that you're falsifying your time card. You're calling in some places have systems where you actually call in and punch in numbers that you're doing that from the parking lot. Like don't do that. Don't be that nurse. Okay. Number two, so another common reason nurses get written up is communication. And in this communication, you know, this can be a very broad, broad thing, but I kind of wanted to tie it into something that was very objective, tangible, that communication that we get a lot of that can be commonly missed. So like, for example, failure to communicate like critical clinical information about a patient or holding a medication without letting the, the care team know that you held the blood, all of the blood pressure medications for the last three days. And they're thinking like, oh, they were given and this is the blood pressure based on that. And so those are very important things. So Vernell, what has been some of the, some of the things that you've seen and how do you identify these things? How do these things come across your desk and what happens? So I could tie it into to skill also with communication, but I'll tap into the communication portion first. So with nursing, we know it can be multifaceted. So either it could be electronic, it could be paper, it could be verbal. Like we have all these different ways that we communicate, uh, especially when it comes to treatment, getting orders, collecting specimens, uh, sending them off to pathology. Uh, so we always have to have a check and balance. And sometimes those checks and balances don't work when you have so many variables 
that come into play with communication and when things aren't standard. Uh, so sometimes some things are system and system has to work on standardization. And then sometimes some things are individual, meaning that it is already in place with the system. And however, this individual did not, let's just use an example, didn't label a specimen. So maybe they were doing something at the patient's bedside and the doctor came in and did a bedside procedure and collected fluids. And that fluid was supposed to be labeled with the patient information and sent to pathology for a very specific test. And so when that nurse is distracted and does not follow the order of sequence of uh, collecting specimens in that protocol, that could lead down the road of corrective action because those things are already in play. And that is a skill that is expected for you to have as a nurse. And that's important because part of labeling those is communicating the correct information about the patient. Heaven forbid, and I've seen this, I've seen this, I don't condone, you know, condone it. And I've actually taken it. I've always made it a teachable moment. Ideally, and what's, that's one of the things I loved about being a CNS, having teachable moments on the unit. So if you've not worked with a CNS, I'm so sorry. But, you know, a CNS, is, we often will be on the floor with you guys and we're like, you know, teachable moment. Look, this isn't necessarily, this isn't a write-up. This isn't a verbal warning. This is like, hey, let me teach you in this moment. But sometimes nurses will get multiple specimens, step out the room, and then they're labeling and they write the wrong information on the wrong person's label. And then it's communicating the wrong results to the wrong patients. And honey, no good. That's no bueno. No bueno. Exactly. And then let me ask this. So, um, cause I've also seen this and the guys we're talking about common, you know, some of the common cases, and I know everyone's going to have their own stories, but I've seen where doctors will come to the manager or the director or the charger and say, no one told me that the patient wasn't getting their blood pressure meds for the last three days. And I've been looking at blood pressures, ready to discharge the patient thinking that, you know, this was the medication. How come no one told me? So, so if y'all, some of y'all are wondering like, how did they know? They're no one's going to know. They're going to know. No, they're not. They're going to know. Okay. <laughs> the doctors will say they're going to know. They're going to know. And honestly, you should want them to know. They check that documentation. They're checking it because who's in the hospital? The nurses are in the hospital. The nurses truly are in the hospital. We staff it 24-7. The doctors are mainly in clinics and they float to the hospitals. And so the number one uh, way that we communicate with them is electronic. That's the fastest, easiest, most efficient way to where they can gather information and decide uh, the rest of the treatment or refer them out. And when we have failed to communicate using that method, uh, it makes a major impact. And that's when you're going to have a physician, hey, hold up, wait a minute. Uh, no one called. I'm seeing the changes and no one's called to tell me about the changes because if I knew about the changes, I would have did a course of action and given this and then the patient could have went home. Because once again, nobody wants to be in the hospital when they don't have to be. And so the physicians really want to treat and get the patients in a better place. And for nurses, we want to care and make sure that the patients definitely are in a, in a better place than when they compared to what they came in like. Exactly. And guys, for those of you who may not know, whenever you hold a medication for a patient and it's not given, you do need to communicate that to the ordering provider so that they are aware that the medication was not given. I know we chart it that it wasn't given. You may chart the blood pressure there, but you need to circle back to make sure that the communication loop has been closed. It's going to directly impact the patient. And it's not about doctors versus nurses type of thing. It's just like, 
we need to make sure we're all on the same page for the patient. So just so you know, if you hold a medicine, you have to notify the provider. And let me just throw this in there because I remember seeing this and some nurses aren't aware. If there's a particular medication that's ordered, for example, 50 milligrams of metoprolol, but the blood pressure is kind of iffy on the side, you can't just give 25 because you're like, oh, well, let me just give half. No, because you, unless you have prescriptive authority and you're the ordering provider, you can't do that. I just thought I'd throw that in there because I've seen that. And we don't want you to get written up. We're talking about common things that have happened that can lead to some form of corrective action. So we're raising awareness so you can hear this and be like, ooh, I don't want to be that person. Let me make sure I do what I'm supposed to do to protect myself, protect the patient, and also not get written up because I don't want that to happen. Okay. And then the third one, behavioral standards. That's kind of a broad one too, Vernell. Do you want to elaborate on what that is? Because look, there is a long, probably 20 page document on behavioral standards that you're expected to read that you signed, that you read, and that every year when you do your health stream, whatever it is, you signed off that, hey, I read this, I'm aware. But truth be told, you probably not read it (laughs) in full detail. So take it away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you're on the right track. So what that entails is basically you should come to work being professional and be polite and be kind uh, to your peers and the patients and the physicians. And you should communicate therapeutically. All nurses should know what therapeutic communication is. And you should come to work knowing that you are a profession. Nursing is a profession. And it's not a place where you come and I can bring my I can bring my my personality but let's just give an example of hey you know so and so happened at home or maybe this happened and I have my opinion about it and I want to bring my opinions to work and I'm going to stand in my opinion and I'm going to be mad and uh, bark at anybody who has a different type of opinion in this situation that has nothing to do with work It has nothing to do with you taking care of patients. That is a behavioral issue that you need to get under control and to understand that you're here, you're taking care of patients and certain opinions don't have a place here, not here. We know that there could be politics in in healthcare and I want to just keep it at that is that there can be. And you have to, as a professional, know when uh, and where and the audience to have those type of conversations, as long as they're professional healthcare related politics. And some people struggle with that. Some people do struggle with bringing in the professional and leaving the personal at home. And so uh, I like to call it excess baggage. I understand people do have bad days, though. People have bad days. Uh, Once again, look, especially during this pandemic, people have had uh, some bad times some rough times. Some people have lost family members, have lost a lot uh, or have gotten sick and just certain things that they've had to deal with. And it's really hard. So as a leader, you recognize it and uh, you try to talk to the individual. Uh, One thing I will try to do is if we have a spiritual leader that is available, like a clergy that can come in and say a prayer for the group, then that's something that I will try to offer uh, the group. Uh, I can say that any hospital, there's some, there's a lot of hospitals that do have religious clergy. Not all your team has the same religious practices, but even giving good words or giving good vibes or including it in your huddle. So then you are raising the morale with the team. But when it becomes an individual, so you have someone that wants to pop off at someone else, you know, and, and, and do the clap. 
uh, with somebody and cap on them. Like those are considered unprofessional behaviors. And those are things that have no place in the work area. That is okay at home and during family barbecues and picnics. I mean, you can pop off all you want to there, but at work, it's an absolute no. And some people do do need classes. And uh, as a leader, you were to tap into those classes uh, and they have communication classes that will help drive some of that behavior to where that person understands that, hey, here's a list of professional behaviors and let's give a couple of scenarios. And that person may share some of the things that they went through and how they handled it. And in those courses, they will teach them, hey, you could have handled that a lot better. Let's try this situation or this scenario again. However, I want you to use this, use this wording, use, you know, uh, use these nonverbals versus, you know, I said what I said, you know, instead of that, because that can come off very attacking to somebody. I think you raised some some really good points there, Vernell. I'm just going to make it plain real quick. No bullying. Don't be rude. No cursing. Potty mouth. Watch the body language. The neck switching. No, don't put your fingers in people's faces. And really watch your tone and the words that you, words matter, words matter. And I think, you know, it's like, well, I didn't mean to, I didn't intend to, but in the healthcare setting, it's through your perception that matters. It's the perception of what was received. You might not have intended it, but it was received that way from the other person. So guys in nursing, we've talked a lot about bullying, nurses eating their young. So you guys know what it's like. So that can happen from amongst our team. But then also this behavior can be from a provider to the family. The family might perceive that you're being rude. I don't know, you know, other things like that, but it's very important. And I can't say that I've ever had a nurse clap (laughs) off like this, maybe in the break room or something, but but you know what? Stranger things have happened. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, I think there sometimes is language that is exchanged between nurses and it can make everyone else feel tense. Because you can tell there's tension in the workplace. Guys, we work so much better together. So let's work on dissipating that. You know what? Let me go ahead and just have a a candid moment. I've had conversations with people like, look, we don't have to be friends at work, but I can be friendly and I'm professional. So what is it that we need to do again? I, you know, let's just be honest. We're all adults. You may not like someone. You may not like your coworker. You're not paid to like them, but you are paid to come to work, be professional and provide a service. And we should never, ever, ever let our patients pick up on the cues like, oh, oh, they're beefing. There's tea. There's people gossiping. Don't go in a patient's room like, girl, can you believe she didn't know how to start an A-line? And uh-uh. No, like, let's not, that also plants the seeds of distrust into the patient and they lose confidence. They lose trust in us as healthcare providers. And these types of behaviors can land you in a conversation with your supervisor talking about standards of behavior, because that's not the behavior of a leader. It's not the behavior of becoming of a nurse. Though, remember, we've been the most trusted profession for over 20 something years now. We've got to communicate better. Okay, so those are common things that can happen. Vernell, you've given us some tips. There's a course called Crucial Conversations. I don't know if they offer that to people anymore. I know it's a, it can be an expensive course, but there are other variations. I think that's definitely an important course for everyone to learn something from. So in when the stakes are high, maybe you don't like who you're working with for whatever reason, but it helps you learn to find the right wording, to posture yourself in a manner that's professional 
and so that you are well received so we can still meet goals for the patients. And if you don't, you might <laughs> find yourself in the manager's office. So let's break it down. So let's let's say this, uh, Vernil. Let's say a nurse has somehow landed his self or herself now having to have a meeting with their supervisor because of what perhaps one of the three issues we've mentioned. Can you walk us through what are the typical stages of a corrective action? Because we're we're hearing corrective action. Some people don't know what that is. So maybe tell us what corrective action is, and then let's walk through the stages of that from the initial, maybe teachable moment to maybe final warning yes. termination. So your first step is going to be the teachable moment or also known as coaching. And you are educating. You're also, you're, you're asking, you're involving the person that has the issue. So it's a teachable moment for truly for everybody, because there may be something that comes out of that that creates a change within the team. And so it's teachable and it's coachable. That is your first step. Ooh, hold on real quick. But I just always want to say, I always like to say, assess, don't assume that first stage, that first thing. Let's all leaders listening, bedside nurses listening, bedside nurses aspiring to be leaders. Whenever something goes down, don't just assume like, oh, she or he didn't do such and such, such and such as if they really intended to do harm. Let's assess. Let's glass half full. Maybe there was something that was going on, but this is why it's a teachable moment and maybe some counseling. You know what? Let's talk about this. So don't be fearful of that teachable moment or counseling. Okay. Next step. If that doesn't work and we do it again, or we see a pattern, so what's the next step? There's this always called an it in between. So it is a verbal. And then between the coaching and the verbal, there's this in between area, meaning we don't necessarily want to be like, ah, we just coached you. Oh, there's a verbal. Here you go. It is. Let's pause. Hey, we just spoke about this. It may be the same incident. It may be a different incident. Hey, on this day, we spoke about this. And, you know, here's some of the feedback that you gave towards improvement. And I'm just checking in to see, hey, you know, what happened between that time and this time. And so there's that kind of like that little in between because leaders don't necessarily like to just jump into a verbal. So usually the person on corrective action is not going to talk and tell everybody that they have this little in between. It's always going to be, oh, I, I had this and I got written up again. But no, there's always this in between before there is that second level, which is the verbal. So the verbal warning is saying, hey, look, we've already talked about this. We did the coaching and you're actually writing that down. So then they have something to reference. So when you are written up and it does become formal and your verbal is formal. OK, coaching is truly informal, but your verbal becomes formal and you get a copy of that and you keep that as your record, as a reminder as to, hey, we met on this day and here's how I may not have followed a protocol or a policy or a procedure or this is how it may have impacted the patient or if it's behavior. I mean, you're still impacting the patient, even though it may be against your peer because you're being disruptive. But here is a verbal saying that now we have talked about this. This moment now is a formal moment. And we are going to list exactly what you need to do to fix the issue. So now it becomes, it moves from a, okay, well, let's get feedback. And how can you improve this? And we're not looking at the system anymore. This is an individual thing. And so we're at the verbal and it's all about the individual person. And verbals are not fun to give because it puts you on a path to either you're going to fix it or you're moving along in the corrective action. So 
teachable moments, informal process doesn't necessarily make your, your employee record. Verbal warning. We've kind of like, hey, we've kind of talked about this before. What happened? It happened again. So let me let you know that this, you know, this is a, this is something that's important. We were talking about it. And this does now make into your employee record. It's verbal, but hey, still not too bad because you're you're still provided the op- support re- resources for trying to, you know, hopefully correct this action. And, you know, after a certain amount of time, provided there's no repeat incidences, this will drop off. Now, let's say it happened again. Same situation, different patient. There is no in-between on this one. And so it's happened again, and we have spoken. We've had some coaching, and we've had some verbal. And uh, in between the coaching and verbal, we've had a little more coaching in between that. So we've given the lead way, and we've given all resources that we have available to you. And uh, you've given feedback, and we've given you policies, we've given you procedure. We may have even come up with some type of individualized plan for you possibly. Now we're in the written. The written is all about, hey, we have coached you. We've talked about it and you've given your feedback and we did a verbal and it became formal and we've provided you with the policy and the procedure. We've given you resources. You may have shadowed someone else. We may have adjusted your time. We have may have a shift change for you We may have adjusted all these things for you. Hey, we've even done education for everybody. And uh, we've had you sign off on something and you signed off that you were competent on it. But yet we're on the same path with the same thing. And what we do is we talk about this and we let you know that you are on a formal path of corrective action and you are at a written level. And this is, it's serious uh, at this point um, because you determine your next steps and your next steps are either going to get you off of that course of action by you changing your behavior, which may directly impact the task that you're doing or the care that you're given, but it gives you the opportunity for that or is going to give you the opportunity to seek employment elsewhere and Hopefully it's not a major safety issue to where it affects your license. So we have that conversation as to here's where we are and here's what we've done. We aren't understanding what your barriers are. And if there are barriers, there still are barriers. At the written level, it's basically we've given you resolution for those barriers. Now, if it's something impossible, I don't know. Something impossible that can't be fixed, which is rarely the situation. Usually in a, in a written, it's not a system thing. It is an individual issue. And so we inform them that your next step is more than likely going to be a suspension or termination. That is not an easy conversation to have, but it is a crucial conversation. Going back to that, for leaders, if you're listening, uh, there's a great book out on Crucial Conversations Uh, that you can read and take the courses Alice had mentioned before. But this is where you have human resources is more than likely going to be involved. You will have uh, other leaders possibly uh, that may be there to witness it. Like it's a very serious level for a nurse to be on. 
It is. And let me say also, you know, it's, it's difficult as a leader to have to deliver this information as a receive on the being on the receiving end. You're going to feel like you're walking on eggshells. It's going to make work feel a lot harder than it is because this is a very stressful situation to be in. And, you know, you can be upset, emotional, anxious, depressed, a variety of feelings for it to have progressed to where it is. And as a clinical nurse specialist, I have sat in on conversations like this. I have worked uh, with people on their corrective actions. Like we create a plan for success is what we call it. We like map out where the, what the issues or deficits were, what are our tools or resources or things that we can do to fix and remedy this and, you know, follow up in between being available. So it's not just you go from one meeting to the next, but Hopefully we would have worked together. We're keeping the two-way communication open so we can help you during this time, especially for clinical things. Now, if it's something like an attendance and you just can't get there on time, that's something that I can't necessarily help you with. So it's, you have to assess your transportation issue or, you know, do you need a job closer to home? Do you need a different shift? But I'll say this, if it is a clinical issue, that is something that is extremely important. And, you know, we can't allow for providers who are consistently showing that they're not able to safely deliver care, especially when we've kind of handheld through the process, uh, provided resources, we've been available. And it's not to say that they're a bad person, but sometimes, and as a clinical specialist, I've, I've identified this and I've learned this, some environments or specialties just aren't for certain people. They may not do well in critical care because too fast paced, high stakes, too much going on. However, if this nurse transfers to another area, maybe labor and delivery or pediatrics or med surge, and then they flourish. So it's also, you know, an opportunity to examine where can you be the most successful? So, so often we look at the corrective action process as something that's bad and negative, and I'm just going to get fired. And that's not the end all be all. We really want to try to find what is the better fit for you while keeping our patients and everyone else safe. We don't want a patient harmed. We don't want you to lose your license. We don't want you to get fired. We know you got to provide and pay for bills and food and stuff like that. And listen, the leaders don't want to have to do the paperwork or have these meetings or have, you know, because it's going to feel like everybody and their mama's involved. That's what it's going to feel like, especially if you're the nurse on the receiving end of this. So it's really an opportunity to, to really communicate what your needs are so we can get things done. And if anytime during this process, you feel like this is not the specialty for you, it's best to identify that early on. So maybe your leadership team can help you transfer and find an area versus you get to the very end. You're like, oh, this ain't for me. But by that point, you've demonstrated that you can't safely do something. So no, it's not even safe to put you in another area. So you've exhausted that opportunity. Child, that process can be tiring for everybody involved. Emotional. Listen, I've had plenty of people cry to me about what's going on. They're afraid for losing their jobs. And, you know, and I thought this topic was very important because it's not a gotcha moment. I wanted, you know, y'all to hear, you know, while it might feel like you're in the hot seat, what are the leaders thinking? What are they doing? And let me throw this in there just in case you're at one of those places. What should the leader be doing? What should they be offering you? And maybe they're not. So this is an opportunity for you to chime in, listen to this podcast, share it with all your friends, colleagues, coworkers, and everyone else, because we all should be working in environments where we feel supportive. Now, I want to be held accountable. I don't want to hurt anyone, but if you're, you know, let's make sure that we're being respectable and fair and supportive of one another while we're doing it. I think so. What do you think, Fernell? I think so. I think you're on the right track. Absolutely. Okay. We want to keep well, our nurses. We, want to we keep do them. want to keep our nurse. We want to keep them and we want you to 
tell your friends to come on and hire too because we're often short-staffed. And we want to encourage other nurses to follow and climb the leadership ladder. We don't want people to be afraid. Like, I don't want to be a director. I don't want to be a manager. They do all that. And let's say this. Let's say you had a not so nice director or manager. Don't you want to change that for the next generations? Don't you want to be like, no, I don't want to, you know, I want to create a very positive environment. Let me be in a position where I can make the changes and make sure this and this and this happens. That's what Vernell did. Vernell wanted to be the change she wanted to see. So Vernell, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate your expertise. We know you were a busy director, directing a lot of things, taking care of patients. You guys, she's still very hands-on, just so you know. She's also a clinical nurse specialist, so that's how we do. That's how we do. And, you know, she's she's a real dear friend of mine, and we went to school together. We went to the same schools. I actually got to precept Vernell for a little bit. And listen, candid, honest moment. At that time, I made an error. Patient was coming up from the ER, had already received iron and aspirin downstairs. The ER. Yes, I did. Because when you make errors, you don't forget. So bad. I was like, I was because I was with you, and I was like, oh no, I gave the iron. You were like, no, I should have caught it. We were both like just horrified and wanting to cry. Yes. And what did we do? I can. We filled out the variance report. We communicated it because. I recognize it. So guys, it's better to tell on yourselves than somebody else to tell on you, just so you know, during this, since we're talking about corrective action, but fortunately there was no harm to the patient, right? We had to do the variance report. We did communicate that to the, you know, the manager at the time, there was no harm to the patient, but I'll just say, although it was just a uh, baby aspirin and iron, it was scary as all shit because Our I was like, was over. our world was over. Our world was over. Right. It's scary. It's scary to make a, a medical error and feel like you're going to be shamed but I, I'll say this, we've all been in situations where we've made errors or damn cl- near close to making an error. So hopefully this podcast was helpful for you all to kind of walk you through some of the process. If you find yourselves having made an error, a mistake, or you know, you're dealing with any of these common issues with attendance and tardiness or behavior, get it together, behavior, no clapping off at work. We hope this is helpful. So for now, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you very much. Guys, listen, if you're interested in connecting with Vernell, matter of fact, if you want to continue communicating with her, you can contact us here at nurse.org and we can forward your emails to her and to make the connection because, you know, she she did me a solid by coming on and talking on today. So if you want to connect with Vernell, is that okay, Vernell? Yes. They'll send it to us. Okay. And just because we also want to be very mindful of where people work, we don't want to bombard her her work email with non-work-related requests. There we go. So send your emails, attention to Vernell, to nurse.org, and we will make sure to get them to her. She's an excellent mentor. Would be, at, you know, if any of you guys are in leadership, looking to aspire to leadership, she's an awesome look for a preceptor or a mentor in your programs. So I'm Nurse Alice. Thank you so much. You can follow me on all things social at Ask Nurse Alice. If you have a suggestion, topic, you want to be a guest, please email me at nurse. Alice at nurse.org. And please share this podcast with your friend, your colleague, your coworker. Let's start talking about these things before they become issues, right? Let's raise awareness so we can help protect those who are in these situations. We want to raise awareness. We don't want to play gotcha with anybody. Okay. That is not the goal. We don't want to play gotcha. And then while you're there, listen to the podcast, please rate or review it. Five stars, comments, love it. It helps us know we're on the right track and it helps boost the podcast some more. It can get out to more nurses um, and healthcare professionals. So thank you so much. And until next time, guys, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. 
Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.